pray again. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us now as we open your word together across the city, across the world even, that you, your spirit would be with each one of us speaking your words of truth to us. Convict us, encourage us, and help us to, to leave this hearing of your word empowered to live more for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking this week about what I'm going to miss most during a quarantine. And I am naturally an introvert and a homebody, so there's a lot that I don't particularly mind. But there are certainly things I am going to miss. We had to cancel a family birthday party that was supposed to happen yesterday. My Ultimate Frisbee League suspended play indefinitely this last week. And that's one of my favorite hobbies, not to mention great exercise. I'm going to miss sports in general, especially baseball. It feels like an indispensable part of every spring for me. Don't know what I'll do with myself without it this spring. But I know what I will miss more than any of those things by far. That is being with my church family. I mean, I could be gone for a couple weeks on holidays and survive that, but this unnatural, forced separation that we are now in is going to get old really fast. And I'm going to really miss seeing your faces, hearing your voices each Sunday morning. And while we can thank God for technology that allows us some measure of worship together, diminished or artificial though it may be, I hope that this only whets your appetite and I actually hope that we worship during these weeks longing for more than this. That, that this time of separation only increases our desire to worship together. And it increases our appreciation and joy when we do eventually gather in person again. This time gives me a bit of appreciation for how the Apostle Paul often felt towards his readers. As a missionary and church planter, he'd often go somewhere, plant a church, grow to love its people, and then have to get up and move on to another city in need of a church. So he was constantly separated from many people that he led to the Lord and loved and pastored, and his longings to be reunited often seep out in his writings. For example, in Philippians 4 verse 1, he talks to the church in Philippi and says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So he loved these people. He says so twice in one verse, calling them his beloved. And he longed to see them again, to be with them, to, to worship with them. And this is my prayer for you, for us as we are artificially separated for a season, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. 
May we love each other and long to be with each other. And may we, may, may you, stand firm in the Lord as we face these uncertain times. But how can we stand firm, steadfast, and unshaken when our world is so shaken up? I think God's word has a lot of wisdom for us being largely written in distressing times. And such was the case for the book of Philippians, which I just read from. As we know, as far as we know, life in Philippi wasn't too bad at the moment, but Paul was writing them while he was chained up in prison. And he knew that hard times were inevitably coming for them as well. They needed to have a, a steady faith, faith that was ready to face an unsteady future. I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 right now. I hope you have a Bible with you in your homes today. If not, you can easily look Philippians 4 up on BibleGateway.com or use the YouVersion or ESV Bible app on your phone. Philippians 4, I want to read this together. I had other plans on what to preach on today, but we, plan our, we make our plans, the Lord directs, our steps and what we're going through as a society, as a world, is so big and all consuming right now that I think we need God's word to shed light into our current circumstances. So I thought, well, what should we consider as Christians in an ongoing pandemic? Like, what should we look to in times of anxiety and upheaval and crisis? There are many things, many answers there, but the best answer to these questions, I believe, is God himself. God himself. In the midst, in the middle of our earthly crises, we need to be reminded of our heavenly king. In the midst of turbulence, we need to see that Jesus still sits on a throne, directing our steps, providentially working in our world, guiding history. This didn't surprise God. So, so during this quarantine, we want to turn our eyes to Jesus and see him reigning as king over everything that's going on in our lives. Throughout Philippians, Paul urged believers to live lives worthy of the gospel of Christ. So, in other words, what Jesus has done for us in the past should dramatically impact us now and in the future. And the climax of this book focuses on heaven, essentially saying that a, a life transformed by Jesus will be increasingly transfixed on Jesus. Consider what he says in chapter 3. I'll start in verse 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And look down to verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power 
that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And it's there that he challenges them, therefore, my brothers, to my love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm, stand firm as we wait for heaven, stand firm in the Lord. The verses I'm going to focus in on today are down from this in verse 4 to 9. And they're very familiar to many of us. But I think that they crucially and beautifully speak to how we can stand firm in the Lord. A clear theme of these verses is the Lord's peace. God's peace. His peace is actually the desired result of all this. Like if you, if you do these things, he says in verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And in verse 9, he says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Our king is the God of peace. But these are not times of much peace, are they? I'm not really talking about peace between nations. I'm talking about peace inside of us. The, the days would have been stressful enough without an untreatable disease going around. And with other health challenges we face, and exam season, unemployment or financial hardships, marriage troubles, family strain, grief, plenty of mental health challenges, but the COVID-19 pandemic has really exposed so many underlying fears that we live with and provoked a number of new fears and anxieties as well. Almost everyone in our world is afraid of death on some level. We're afraid of facing a disease that may become severe for us. Like we may be in the small percentage that it hits hard. We're worried about germs lurking on any given surface. We're worried about the elderly or the vulnerable, maybe parents or grandparents, afraid that they might not make it through this crisis. We worry about the economic ramifications of a lockdown. And we worry about, will, will we lose our job? We may see our personal stocks or mutual funds plummeting. We're afraid of being alone. What? toll that could take on us. We're worried about being prepared for a quarantine like this. Will we have enough food or will we be able to get more of it when we need it? The next few months are, are so uncertain for us. And unlike Elsa, we're afraid of venturing into the unknown. Apparently, we're deathly afraid of running out of toilet paper as well. <laughs> If you haven't noticed, our anxieties can easily intensify during a pandemic. I mean, it's palpable. How many of you have, have stood in long lines in a grocery store lately while everyone around is eerily silent, just lost inside their own thoughts? Here's the good news from God's word. The good news that I believe Philippians 4 will tell us. There is a supernatural peace from the Lord that can fill our lives. I put it this way, that God's peace can stabilize our hearts and our minds in anxious times. God's peace, hear this, can stabilize our hearts and minds in anxious times. 
David Platt's definition of anxiety is carrying concerns in this world in such a way that we lose perspective on life and or lack trust in God. There's plenty of that to go around, isn't there? Paul assumes here in Philippians that there will be things that make us anxious in life and that there are things that will attack our hearts and our minds. He says, In verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, in response to our anxious times and our desperate needs, God gives us something amazing. Now notice, he doesn't necessarily give us exactly what we ask for, but he gives us something greater. Something of himself, his peace. And this peace is far more than just emotional calmness, though that may be part of it. This is the shalom of God, a wholeness, an absence of strife, an inner stability. Paul says this peace surpasses understanding. Like, there's something unexplainable about it. If you know Christ, you've likely felt this at times. When everything that's happening around you tells you that you should be freaking out, but as, as you decide to trust God in that moment or pray to him, a sense of deep peace floods in your heart, steadies your perspective on life. The imagery Paul uses of guarding our hearts and minds is an interesting one because he was likely chained directly to a prison guard 24-7 as he wrote this. And in this, Paul saw a picture of of how God's peace can guard our hearts 24-7, not to keep us chained up, but in order to protect us from all kinds of harm, all kinds of threats. Or perhaps in a more apropos picture for today, Maybe think of protection from disease. Hey, the, the novel coronavirus is, is such a threat today because we have no immunities built up to it. Right? If a number of people had had this virus before, then those people would now be immune to it, and it would spread a lot more slowly. Our, our bodies have amazing ways to build up natural defenses against diseases. But we don't tend to build up good natural defenses against anxieties. The more anxieties we face, the more we tend to fear. They build on each other. What we need is a vaccine. For for COVID-19, a potential vaccine could save countless lives by injecting something into our bodies that protects us from the virus. The peace of God is like the vaccination against anxiety. It's something that's outside of ourselves, injected into our hearts, that then defends us whenever anxiety attacks. You think you could use that kind of stability these days? No, I can. You think your family members or your friends could use this stability right now? So how do we procure this peace? How do we 
actually get the vaccination and inject it into our bloodstreams. I think this passage reveals several practical ways we can access the peace that God offers us. That not only can speak peace into our lives, but can then demonstrate a firm faith in Jesus to a frail world right now. So first, God's peace can stabilize our hearts and minds in anxious times as we rejoice in Jesus. As we rejoice in the Lord, our King. Jesus, look with me at the beginning of this paragraph we've been reading. In verse 4, Philippians 4, verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So in case you missed it, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. In times of crisis, we can get so caught up in the crisis that this this does not cross our radar at all. It's easy to rejoice when things are all good. Not so much when things are hard. Paul doesn't say, though, to rejoice in the Lord whenever you feel his goodness. He says to rejoice in the Lord always. Question. Does always include during pandemics? Now, this doesn't mean to pretend that everything is awesome and rosy all the time. We live in a broken world. Things are going to be broken a lot. Neither does Paul mean that we should just drum up happiness whenever we're sad. Even if rejoicing can often lead to happiness, they're not the same thing at all. See, happiness is usually tied directly to our current circumstances. What's going on in our life, that determines how happy we are. But joy, true joy at least, transcends our circumstances. So true joy for a Christian is a deep confidence and delight in God and his promises. Like joy chooses to believe in God's goodness in every situation, whether or not you feel it. Whatever else might happen to us, whatever could happen, It can't change what Jesus did for us. Right? Christ died for your sin. He took away your guilt and your shame. He forgave it all. And then our king rose from the dead. Death itself is defeated. He gave you new life. He then sent his Holy Spirit to to fill us. You are never truly alone, no matter how alone you might be. He chose you. He made you his own. He loved you. He loves you. And there is nothing in all of creation, no coronavirus or quarantine or lack of health care or market collapse or societal chaos, nothing that can ever take those away. Like, Like, none of those things can ever change the good news of Jesus, this Gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. (laughs) So rejoice. Not, Not in how you feel right now, but in Jesus, 
and what he has done. D.A. Carson says, if we fail to respond with joy and gratitude when we are reminded of what Jesus has done, it is either because we have not properly grasped the depth of the abyss of our own sinful natures and of the curse from which we have been freed by Jesus, or because we have not adequately surveyed the splendor of the heights to which we have been raised. If our joy derives primarily from our circumstances, then when our circumstances change, we will be miserable. Our delight must be in the Lord himself. That is what enables us to live with joy above our circumstances. And if you don't have this joy today because you don't have Jesus today, let me assure you, you can. Jesus gave himself up to die for you and your sins too. Without Jesus, you do have good reason to fear death or to despair over crises like today's. But once your heart is cleansed and united to his, everything changes. If you want this, if you want Jesus to take your heart today to to save you from sin and judgment and death, I urge you, put your trust in him today. Believe in him. Like this world might have you shaken up, but run to him. He's a rock. He's steady. Call on his name. If you need help with that and, and you're online, message us now. Like don't put this off. We can help you. You may die this week. Never know. Are you ready to meet the Lord? If you do have Jesus, what does rejoicing in him look like today? Can you praise him with your voice, whether by yourself or with others in your home? Can you express your gratitude to him? Can you rest in his love for you? And tell someone, even if it's online, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Continue reading in verse 5. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I'll explain what this means, but I'll give you the point first. This is another way that God's peace can stabilize us. God's peace can stabilize our hearts and our minds in anxious times as we demonstrate reason. As we demonstrate reason or, or reasonableness. What does Paul mean by this? What does he mean by reasonableness? And what does this have to do with peace? Other Bible versions translate this as gentleness or graciousness. The best way I could describe it is a level-headed patience in the face of chaos or conflict. Okay? Level-headed patience in the face of chaos or conflict. And is that virtue ever desperately needed today? All across the online world, and that is about the only world many of us see at the moment, unreasonableness is on full display all the time. Right, rational debate, reasonable, di- reasonable dialogue have gone out the window, often along with kindness, patience, grace, sometimes plain old logic, 
And that was before everyone in the world became infectious disease experts overnight. Commenting on this verse in our current social context, Trevin Wax says, The way Christians stand out in a contentious environment is by being a voice of reason, by spreading grace in a culture of judgment. Posture matters as much as principle. Reasonableness radiates outward in a world darkened by constant cycles of outrage, and might I add, constant cycles of fear. So what does this mean for us? Well, as our world displays unreasonableness everywhere, may we be known for our reasonableness. Let's respond to people with whom we disagree with grace, not anger or taking offense. Let's be careful not to spread hyperbole or misinformation. Like, there's a lot out there. Check the sources. Be people of truth. Let's stand out for our, our lack of panic and our lack of, of self-preservation and hoarding. Let's show a demonstrable trust in God and what we say and what we post and how we respond to what others say or post. And as we do this, God's peace doesn't just flow to us, but it can flow through us. And how can we actually do this? It's because we know what Paul says next is true. He said, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Wax comments that whether that means God is with you or Jesus is coming soon, the point is security. You who are beloved by God and empowered by hope in the Savior's coming, you are free to show grace. Look closely, though. The Lord is at hand starts a new sentence there. One we already, we've already been reading. It says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the Lord, being at hand, should help quell our anxiety. He's, he's near us. He hears our prayers. And one day he will right all wrongs. This should give us a supernatural stability, a peace in him. And this should drive us to our knees. Because God's peace can stabilize our hearts and minds in anxious times as we pray about everything as we pray about everything. I sense that many Christians take commands to pray this way. Like, pray whenever you're desperate for help. Or pray whenever you really want something. Or pray for the same things every day, just a habitual repetition. And you know, wonder we're so anxious. Right? Think of how much of life is not covered by those prayers. Instead, we're told, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. 
to God. Paul doesn't just give us a, don't worry, be happy here. No, he says, don't worry, but then he gives us the solution to our worry. Prayer. Some of us scoff at this, thinking, well, prayer is a, a weak kind of response to a crisis. Wishful thinking. Like, what can our words or our thoughts do about something so seemingly unstoppable as a pandemic? Well, our words are powerless on their own. Like, we can't just speak things into existence. But, if our words are heard by an all-powerful God, not powerless anymore. Right? Like, we just don't get how amazing prayer is and how critical prayer is. You may think, okay, fine, I can pray. But what else can I actually do? On the one hand, prayer very well might be the only thing you can do. But also... Prayer is the most powerful, most important thing you can do. There's nothing more powerful than this. When we pray, we come before our Father and our Savior in heaven, and we beg Him to hallow His name, to bring His kingdom, to do His will, to give us what we need, to forgive us our sins, and to deliver us from evil, which are all super relevant right now. By the way, you know how we're supposed to be frequently washing our hands for 20 seconds? the amount of time that it takes to sing happy birthday twice. You know what also takes about 20 seconds? Saying the Lord's Prayer. That'd be just as easy, infinitely more value. Italian pastor, and you all know what's gone on in Italy, it's pastor from there, Mark Oden explains, in the midst of a global crisis, how can we as individuals possibly make a difference? Often we feel so small and insignificant, but there is something we can do. We can call out to our Father in heaven. Just because you're alone in your home doesn't mean you're alone. The Lord is at hand. And that's another thing that your outer circumstances can't take away from you. Christian, you have access to the courts of heaven. We have God's ear. <laughs> Amazing. So what should we pray for? Odin continues with some suggestions. He says, pray for the authorities running our countries and cities. Pray for the medical teams treating the sick. Pray for the men, women, and children who have been infected. For the people afraid to leave their homes. For those at high risk with other illnesses and for the elderly. Pray the Lord would protect us and keep us. Pray to him that he might show us his mercy. Back at the beginning of February, when COVID-19 was really contained just to China, a pastor of a church in Wuhan wrote an open letter to believers all over the world. And he said, if you do not feel a responsibility to pray, Ask the Lord for a loving soul, an earnestly prayerful heart. If you are not crying, ask the Lord for tears. 
because we surely know that only through the hope of the Lord's mercy will Wuhan be saved. And we are way beyond just Wuhan needing the Lord's mercy now. We have to pray. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything, letting God know our needs with a heart of gratitude. There's one way we're going to try to apply this as a church over the next little while to, to make prayer really our top priority. And man, wouldn't that be a great result from this crisis if it were to drive us to prayer and to develop a deep dependence on God? I'm blatantly stealing this idea from another church, but I don't think God minds. For every day while this pandemic is going on, we want to pray together. So at noon, every day, we're going to hold a prayer meeting on Facebook Live. All right? I hope that you take the opportunity to join in, quiet your hearts, pray with us, share your prayer requests with us so we can be praying together. Pastor Kenny, myself, or an elder will be there praying. There might be a chance for you actually to join in on a video as well there. But so set a reminder for this. Gather your family around if you're with your family, and let's go to our king together. In these days, we want to make this our priority. So stay tuned for more on that. Back in this passage, continue reading with me in verse 8. Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, there is an entire sermon or more in those words, and I'm not going to go into any kind of satisfying depth there. I've preached on this before. Actually, you can actually find that sermon on our website if you want. But notice here, in our context today, notice what the end result of this paragraph is as well. It's God's peace. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Which means that verse 8 also plays into how we access or enjoy that peace. So God's peace can stabilize our hearts and minds in anxious times, I believe, as we focus on godly subjects, on godly things, as we focus our thoughts on good and godly subjects. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is all about our thought life, what we're focusing on. And why is this so important in the middle of a pandemic in our day? Because the negative and fearful an isolated side of this crisis can be all-consuming. There is always new news about the spread of the virus. It is constant. And in our social media world, we have constant access to it. And then for many of us, if we want to avoid all this for a while, we're sick of it, we don't want anything to do with it, what do we do? We pick up the remote for Netflix or a video game controller. Try to escape it. Like give us a, a bunch of extra hours at home and we will fritter them away on fruitless things. Now, I am not saying that this is the time to take a social media fast. 
maybe for a day or something, but it's likely not. Or I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to watch some TV or play games during this time. But here's my question. What are we going to pour into our minds over these days? Because I believe what you put into your mind and what you dwell on will largely determine how well you make it through this season. So is what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're constantly seeing, what you're scrolling through, is it good for you? And what does your mental diet look like? Would it pass the test of Philippians 4.8? Is it true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, or praiseworthy? I've seen some people say that it, it's like our culture is getting a forced Sabbath right now. Not true for medical professionals and some others, but for many this is true. We're being forced to, to slow down, to stay home, take some time off. So if we look at it that way, as a Sabbath, like how might we use this unprecedented opportunity to focus on good things, on, on godly subjects? Like, can you... Can you start some good habits of spiritual disciplines, even the ones that you might be able to continue later on? Can you put down your phone and spend some quality time with your family? Can you pick up a book that you've been meaning to read for a while that you know will be good for your soul? Maybe buy a new one and give you some recommendations if you want. Can you take an online course or of spiritual development of some kind? There's a number of opportunities even being offered for free in these days, and I can, I'm going to share some of them with you later on online. Maybe can you call up a friend every day, not in order to just talk about the virus, but to encourage them to, with some kind of word from Scripture or a prayer? Like how might we redeem the time because the days are evil? And at the same time, focus our minds and hearts on what is excellent and praiseworthy. It's worth thinking about. Last thing from Paul's challenge in verse 9. It says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So the believers in Philippi had learned, received, heard, and seen many things from Paul. Now Paul says, put these things into practice. Keep on practicing them. And you want to feel the God of peace with you? Then keep following what he says. And here's the point. God's peace can stabilize our hearts and minds in anxious times as we carry on faithfully. We carry on faithfully. We don't know everything that Paul taught or exemplified. We do know some. But God's word tells us all that we need to know about his will. So if we know what God wants from us, then we've got to put it into practice. Like, don't let a crisis derail your walk with the Lord in any way. Instead, let it actually drive you closer to him. As much as you're able, continue to worship him. Might be from your living room. But pray along, sing along, listen intently, 
as much as you are able, continue to love others. Reach out to those in your small group. Ask how they're doing. Pray with them. As much as you are able, find ways to serve. Buy groceries, run errands, help with tech or with worship. Watch kids who, for those who have to keep on working. As much as you are able, I encourage you to, to soak yourself in God's word and in prayer in these days. I guess it's harder to do this without full community, but you can still grow right now. Like, don't be overwhelmed, though, by a, a long list of things you need to do today. Remember that, that Jesus has perfectly fulfilled God's law and God's will for us so that even when we fall short, we are not abandoned by him or forsaken by him. If he is your savior, you've been given his righteousness and his spirit. But even that truth should empower us to follow him even more, even during an earthly crisis. And as we carry on faithfully, notice the result once more, the end of verse 9, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The supernatural peace of God is intimately tied to his presence with us. And he is with us. That he has promised us for all time. And as long as he's with us, he can keep us all standing firm in the Lord in his peace. As Isaiah 26 declares, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. That's our king. Trust in him now. We can trust in him forever. Would you pray with me? Encourage you even to bow your heads and your hearts now at this time and think through some of the things that are on your heart, the anxieties that you can cast at the feet of the Lord. And give those over to him now. Cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Heavenly Father, you are still good. You are still holy. You are still love. You are still our peace. You fill us with that now. Day and in the days ahead, help us not to just receive your peace, but help to flow through us to those around us. Spill over. Help it be unmissable in our lives. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit. 
Please help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.